What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Wednesday, November 13th, 2019, and you guys are listening to episode 424. How the hell is everybody doing? I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, I gotta be honest, uh, for the first time since October 24th, I'm sorry, October 22nd is the day that I had my surgery. For the first time since October 22nd, Today's the 13th of November. I actually feel better, normal, stronger. Um, I am breathing through both nostrils better than I ever have before. Uh, at first, I was like, man, this is not good. Something's, you know, and, and they were like, just be patient. You're healing, you're healing. And then all of a sudden, the other night, I was just like... Um, started to breathe perfectly. Like, And I was like, I can't believe this is the normal way to breathe um, but then again, of course, then I got sick, but I just took my last antibiotic. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong and I uh, got a great show for you guys today. Also, I just posted on my Facebook, there are new reviews and ratings for the Verzi Effect podcast, which were all great. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, by the next podcast, uh, the new logo will be there and, um, also the announcement of the live podcast will be there. So... A lot of things moving, uh, and I will be traveling this week. I'll tell you guys I'll be in Atlanta, but I'll get into that uh, at the plugs um, at the end of the show. A ton of stuff to talk about, guys. Uh, just had a birthday. Had a bunch of people go out to dinner in the city for my birthday, which was great. Uh, the hamster. The hamster made another escape. We went in there to check on him. Gone. Just gone. The hamster just vanished. And then we found out why. The top latch where you open to pet him, he popped it open. We don't know if it wasn't clamped in properly, you know, but he, I mean, this thing, this kid is an escape artist. Uh, and people were reaching out to me going, man, this hamster saga is so entertaining. But he got out again. He did. He got out again. Um, but he was returned last night. He walked right up to us and was like, look, there's no food. Get me back in there. And now he's back in. So, who knows what's going to happen with this thing during the winter. If he's going to make it through the winter, nobody knows, really. Um, but, uh, so that was what was going on with that. Guys, last week I was in New York City, okay? And I had a ton of spots. Like, I would even pop into a club and the owner would be like, man, your weekend in the city is crazy right now. And it was. Like, I just, I would come in, I had like... I don't know, Friday, I think I had four. So, like, I went to, you know, I'd go to New York Comedy Club, then I'd go to The Stand, then I'd go to The Comedy Cellar. Then, you know, then the next night, I had two at The Comedy Cellar, but here was the brutal thing. I'm sick as a dog on Saturday, right? Bad. Going through it, taking the medicine, kind of just started the antibiotics, and, um, you know, it was a couple days into the antibiotics, but I was still really just not doing good. And I'm like, I have so much work, so many shows in the city. I'm not canceling any. I'm going to try to just tough this out. You know, I'm going to try to tough it out. And once I get on stage, I'm okay. But, you know, it was like, this was, this was like something. I probably, if I was smart, I would have called up and just called out. Even if it's a lot of money or whatever, I would have just been like, you know, I need to stay in bed because it's an hour drive each way. And I wasn't, but here's the thing. So I get a call. And the dude goes, uh, hey, man, you want to do this private show? Um, 
It's a club in New York City in the financial district that Tiger Woods and Justin Timberlake own. And I was like, well, what's it pay? And then he told me what it paid, and I was like, well, that's not enough. <laughs> but he's like, no, no, it's, uh, you know, you're already going to be in the city, and if you have a, a gap with time, you know, there's going to be a lot of, obviously, high clientele, private place only, so it's just millionaires in there, and it's only like between 50 and 100 super, super rich people who belong to this club, and uh, they could hire you for stuff. They could, see, you know, seek you out after whatever, and I was like, all right, you know, I have a gap between the thing. So here was the problem. That show was around 8.30. My next show was 12.40 a.m. And then the next show after that was 11.25 a.m. And I'm not feeling well at all. So now you figure I have to, I have to do an 8.30 show. It's never going to be 8.30. Probably, you know, anyway, I'll figure by the time I get out of there, 9.30, right? So you figure from about 9.30 to 12.40, I have to do something. Um... Didn't feel like going to the movies, didn't want, you know, I was just tired, I was almost like a little achy, I was just in my car, I was on medicine, because I wouldn't go out if I was contagious to get people sick, because I was on it, but I just was like, whatever, but I go into this place, and this place is the swankiest, fanciest place, and it was like some private, super rich, like Illuminati type shit, this was. This is like you go into a regular building, which looked like a giant office building in the city, and then they're like, all right, go to the elevators, go to the seventh floor. You go up to the seventh floor. There's like this receptionist there just for this thing. Hi, how you doing? It was almost like, I was like, dude, are people like, are they just bringing middle class people to, to sacrifice them at this place? It was nuts. I mean, everybody's super nice, but almost overly nice. And um, they're like, oh, third door on the left is the show. And you go in and there's this insane bar. And there's like all these bottles of like Dom Perignon champagne in these glass cases from like the ceiling to the floor. It was insane. And then you open up the door and there's this swanky room with all of these people sitting on these white leather chairs looking at this stage, which was like right in the middle of the floor. And uh, the host is up at the time. And then after the host, there was going to be somebody else and then me. So I kind of didn't want to be around the crowd. I didn't want to be around the room. So they were like, oh, we'll take you to the, the bull, they called it the bullpen green room. So I'm like, okay. So they walk me to this thing. They open the door and it's this insane conference room where they were like, oh, we could set you up if you need to use a, a you know, a, what's it called? A PowerPoint presentation. And they had all the, I asked for a bottle of water and they gave me like a, a glass liter of water. Anything I wanted to drink, I could have had. Uh, it was so insanely over-the-top nice, too. Like, I mean, I was in this conference room overlooking the city with, like, this water. And, like, there were all these chargers for your phone, like, whatever you needed. But, like, you could have watched a movie in there. It was nuts. And then the guy comes in who books me. He's telling me the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. You know, 15 minutes. We're just talking, whatever. And then uh, finally I go on stage, right? And it's, like I said, it's like this stage this carpeted stage in the middle of this room with like 50 to 100 people and um you know they're all drinking and everything like that and I just mentally made the decision before I got on stage that I was gonna just trash the place I was gonna make fun of them I was gonna make fun of their money you know and just really kind of go into my act as I feel like I should but like I have to address this you know what I mean there's no way I'm not going to address what I'm, I'm seeing here because it's just it was just that over the top.
you know. So I get on stage and they're sitting there and, uh, you know, you could feel like, okay, what's he going to do? Not judging me in a bad way. They were actually really kind of cool, but, and I just start going in on these people. I'm like, you fucking people are so rich. I go, you're just basically saying, bring us a clown, bring us a clown. I want a black one, a white one, bring us some clowns. I want to see a clown while I eat my oysters and drink. Like, I go, you guys, like, this is like the Coliseum. Like, you guys are like the emperor, and you're going to put a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and somebody's going to get, you know, killed after this thing. And I'm having a good time with them. I'm looking around. I go, let's be honest, guys. I go, there's no way there's not eight grams of cocaine in this room right now. Like, just having, like, a really good time, and it is, like, so fun. I'm having so much fun with these people, and uh, it ended up being a really great show, a really great time. Uh, they were on board for every joke until my last one, and it was one of the only times in my career that that happened. It was so funny where everything is killing, 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 right? And I'm being honest, like everything is just working, working. I'm, I start to get into a groove, you know. I had not been on stage um, prior to this week for like two and a half weeks because of the surgery. So I was just slowly, you know, dusting off the rust and, and, you know, by the third set, I was really felt like I was back or my fourth set. So now, but now I'm having this great time and everything's going good. I got people wiping their eyes. I'm having a really good time. And my last joke, I go, these people like me so much. I'm going to do, I'm going to do this disabled joke, this joke about disabled people. And when I tell you, it was almost like, oh no, it was, it just stopped. And then you heard a couple of people laughing. Like there were a couple of people that just loved me that were laughing but um, I even joked and addressed how I was like, you know, trying to go there. And I, I just left, actually. I like let it sit. But it was one of the only times where I was killing, killing, killing. And then a joke just brought it to a halt, which I laughed at and some other people laughed at. Uh, but it was really, really a, a really great time. So, um, but I mean, it is, it was... And I didn't care. that Like, like oh, you know, uh, Tiger Woods and Justin Timberlake own the place and... Tiger Woods not going to be there. Justin Timberlake might be there. And I'm like, listen, dude, I know what I'm getting paid. I don't give a shit who's there, okay? As a matter of fact, if Justin Timberlake is here, I'm going to say I'm not getting fucking paid enough. You need to pay me more. How about that? You know, I don't give a shit. You know, like, people always try to, and I get it, but, like, people always like, oh, so-and-so's going to be here. It's like, I don't care. I don't care who's going to be in the room. Just give me the microphone and pay me what I deserve. But it was some swanky, over-the-top shit, and I had a, I definitely did have a good time. Um... We went out for my birthday, guys. I, uh, your boy's getting a little older here, okay? 30 years old. No, I'm kidding. I, um, I didn't really have plans to go out for my birthday. Um, my dear friend Giannis Pappas' uh, father had passed away. Rest his soul, Chris Pappas. Great man, 91 years old, Korea War veteran. A Korean War vet and a great dude, great life, lawyer, just great. And, um, you know, we wanted to pay our respects. There were services were down in the city. So Stacy and I go down and we're like, we'll do that and then we'll just go out. And uh, I got to tell you, man, we went down there and Giannis was like, you know, it's your birthday. I go, dude, I don't care. I mean, you're my friend. I don't care. It's my birthday or whatever. We'll be, always be there for you. You know what I mean? Um, and... But I told him, I was like, you know, we have some dinner plans. He's like, of course, of course. But we stay at the service for a while. Then we meet up with some friends and we go to dinner. And we go to 
a place that I've wanted to go to for so long. It's so hard to get reservations is Nobu because I like sushi. I love sushi. So there's Nobu in Tribeca. And then there's this Nobu on 57th Street. There's a couple of locations. So uh, I, wanted to, I want to say something. I truly believe this. I believe that you find out who your real friends are on your birthday. Your real friends. Okay? Um, like, you'll get, like, but you'll know. You'll know, like... You know, I, there's a couple of things people do. Like, people that really care, like, want to be, like, some of the, you know, like, I want to be some of the first to say it, but they want to kind of take part in it. But check this out. This was a really unbelievable thing that happened. So we go to Nobu, get there, get there right around the reservation, but they were setting the table up, so we had a drink downstairs. Then we go upstairs, they put us at the table, and we're sitting there. And what they do, it's, like, family style. So you choose certain things, but the fish coming out, like I've never had yellowtail, salmon, uh, tuna like this in my life. Like it melted in your mouth. It was incredible. But then they came out with these beef dishes. They came out with this artichoke salad that was over pasta. Everything is just, everyone's just looking at each other going, oh my God, oh my God. Right? So Bill Burr is with me. My wife is with me. My uh, buddy Dom Lombardozzi who you guys may know from Entourage or The Wire or Power. You've seen him in a bunch of shows. He was there. Uh, the Mazzillis, shout out to Stephen Chris Mazzilli, the owner of Gotham. They came not to eat dinner, but just for a um, just for a drink. And we're sitting there, we're having this amazing dinner at Nobu, and I'm just like, oh my God. And then I get a bottle of wine comes. Bottle of wine was incredible. And I was just like... This is one of the best meals I've ever had. It's one of the best restaurants I've ever been to. I get it why it's so hard to, to get in and all this stuff like that. Guys, at the end of the meal, and I, I can't say the name of the person just because out of respect, but like it, it, it took me back so much, the generosity. The waitress comes over to the table. I mean, this meal must have cost, I mean, I don't know, but it, it, not, not cheap. And... I was, oh, just want to let you know, um, so-and-so called and took care of the whole bill. So then me and Bill, I'm like, what? And then Bill Burr, you know, he was like, oh, no, let me, you know, let me take care of the tip, everything like that. And they're like, no, that's, that's, that was taken care of as well. Everything was taken care of. Just hope you had a really great time. And I'm just going like, what? And honestly, like, to have a buddy like that do that and generosity like that, man, like, I'll be honest with you, like, I never, I was really taken back. I was really, really taken back. Um, you know, because it, it was just like, holy shit, man. So it kind of lets you know, like, not even, like, listen, it's not the money that makes you, it's not about the money that, oh, well, you know, spend money. So that's a friend. It was like, no, like, this person really just wanted me to, they know, they know that I love sushi and they really wanted me to experience it. And I, I was really, really taken back by it. It was amazing. And um, then we went to Club Macanudo, smoked a cigar, had some other people show up. We watched that incredible football game. And then guess what your boy does, everybody? Of course, loses my phone in a New York City cab, finding out on the way home. And I'm devastated because so much of my work is in my phone. So many of my new jokes, <clears throat> so many of, uh, so much of my new set list is in my new phone. 
uh, comparing the all of my audio of my sets. I mean, this was so detrimental to lose this phone that I literally, I told my wife, I was like, this is going to set me back four months. This is going to probably set me back in my career four months right now, maybe half a year. That's how bad this was. And I was just, I was just trying, I was just trying to, just trying to find a deal with that. Like after having such a night. So she calls the phone and there's, it's going straight to voicemail. And I'm like, I'm never going to see this thing again. Then we're talking and we start getting into a little bit of an argument about it. Um, not bad, but just like, you know, I'm beside myself and it's just sucks. It really sucks at this point. And, um, a half hour later, she calls again and the cab driver answered the phone and he goes, uh, yes, I have the phone, blah, 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 this and that. And I said, okay, my buddy's on 49th street. Can he drop it to 49th street? And he's like, where do you want to do it? The reason this guy did that is because when I was getting out of the car, I gave him an extra tip. Like I walked back and I gave him a bigger bill and I saw how appreciative he was. So when he's on the phone with my wife, she goes, can you drop the phone off to like 49th or whatever it is? And he goes, sure, I'll do it. And then I contacted my boy and my boy goes, uh, "You, ha Stacy contacted him and says, I have your phone. And now my phone was dropped off at a comedy club and that's where I will get it tonight. Guys, for two days now, I have not had a phone. And I got to tell you, at first it was a panic, like, holy shit, what am I going to do with my life? That's what happens. I mean, seriously... Imagine taking your phone right now and just throwing it into a river and just accepting it and dealing with it for two days. That's literally what I've been going through, except at least I know it's coming back. But something happened really amazing that I want to talk about on this show. It was almost this freedom now. It went from a panic to like, holy shit, I don't have my phone. I could be missing work right now. And then it went to, you know what? I'm going to hang with my kids tonight. I'm going to... I'll text everybody back tomorrow night. I'll let everybody know what happened. I'll charge my phone. I'll get back up to date. But for two days, and even in the morning, not waking up looking at your phone, think about what kind of zombie robots we've become, you know, where you just wake up, hey, who texted me? All right, yeah, let me go through this, like getting all caught up. All right, let me scroll through Instagram like a fucking zombie. To see what the next funny internet surveillance camera joke is. So we could talk about that at the water cooler or at the club. It's like, it really has turned us into, I've learned over the last two days, and I mean this wholeheartedly, we would be better off as a people and we would be better off as a society if we just had landlines and, and maybe the internet or the laptop, you know, even maybe even limited. Like, it's to the, honestly, like, I... I got to tell you, do yourself a favor, like try to like play a game with yourself and just don't look at your phone for a couple days. It's like, it was really, um, it was pretty amazing. Now, granted, I need it for my work. So many notes. If I come up with a new joke, I record hours and hours of content and material and then listen back and then do that for the next set. And that's what I need to do to get this new hour and all that shit. But other than that, like, you know, how much time do you waste scrolling through Facebook, through Twitter, through this to see what this one's doing, see what that's going, what's going on? Even with sports, it's like it's too much, and it's been a pleasure to not have it. Now that being said, I was I was miserable like the first five hours. I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know, it was the first I was like plugged in a landline. I, I honestly I felt like the apocalypse happened, and I was the only one to survive. I plugged in a landline. I was like, I am legend. 
I'm going to go hit golf balls off the fucking Intrepid and, and just, you know, go to some random AM radio and go, if anybody can hear me, I'm in New York City. I'm at, you know, it's like, it, it was weird. And I realized, I was like, wow, we've been, really been conditioned to this. We really have. And it's like, uh, you know, that being said, I can't wait to get my phone back and uh, scroll through Twitter. But it, no, it was, uh, it was a really panic thing. But the fact that I got it, and people need to stop saying New Yorkers suck because that cab driver... That cab driver could have taken the phone. He could have sold it. You know, he could have went to a pawn shop. Well, he probably did. He could have went to a pawn shop with it. It's a it's a good iPhone, so he could have got something for it. You know, plus he probably had a ton of people. Probably had a ton of people in his car that night. So he doesn't know whose it is. It probably happens all the time. And luckily, while we were talking, I said to my wife, I go, I lost so much tonight because of this phone, because of the material. And she just goes, uh, she like, like that made her like, not panic, but like call. And he answered the phone. So that was, um, that was amazing. Let's get into the unacceptable, everybody. Here's my unacceptable. Oh man, I hope they don't listen to this. My doctor's like backup person. You know what I mean? You know, the doctor and then they're like, well, your doctor's not in, but Dr. So-and-so's in. It's like the substitute teacher, doctor, substitute doctor is what it is. And I'm not saying that, you know, she wasn't a doctor, but you know, she just, she's kind of has this like lackadaisical approach. Okay. And it's kind of the same lady that looked up my nose and goes, Oh, you're all blocked up up there. It's sinusitis. It's sinusitis. Come to find out. No, it's not. It's actually a bone that shifted that way because of a break and scarred tissue. And I'm getting no oxygen there. That's why I need a surgery. But you just you didn't even, you know, it wasn't even a thought, but anyway, I digress. I go to the fucking doctor and my wife had gotten a serious test done because um, she was having issues with something. And she went for an ultrasound or whatever, CAT scan. And uh, same doctor. So my wife didn't hear back. So she goes, yeah, find out. Go fishing for me and see what you could get. I swear to God, doctor goes like this. This is unacceptable. She goes, oh, yeah. Your wife was in here yesterday. And I go, uh, no, I think it was the day before. All right, yeah, she had an ultrasound. Yeah, everything came back fine. And I'm going, great. Yeah, it came back clean, I think. Wait, hold on. What day did she come in? And I'm just sitting here going like, holy shit, man. And I was like, I'm just glad you're not doing surgery on me. And she goes, uh, yeah, wait. No. Wait, did we get it back? Well, what's the name? And it and then it starts getting to this. And I'm going like, holy shit, man. Like I literally almost just texted my wife, everything's fine. And she goes, oh, yeah, okay, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm all over the... We didn't get the results yet. We didn't get the results yet, but I think it's fine. I, she's just being like that, and I'm like, so I'm telling my wife what happened. Then my wife calls her, and she goes, hey. Oh, no, she calls my wife. Yeah, I think every... Oh, hold on. Let me see. I'm sorry. I'm all over... It's like, how many times are you going to be all over the place, okay? You went to school for however many years, and like people are calling about like their health concerns and like tests that they're doing and running around, getting, you know... CT scans and ultrasounds and shit like that. And you're going, I think it came back good, didn't it? Did it? It's like, oh, no. Could you imagine saying that in like some big cancer ward? Wait, it was stage two, wasn't it? No. Oh, no, you're dying. Six months to live. Wait, no, hold on. What day did you come in? Wait, oh, you came in Saturday. Are you dying? Hold on. Let me. You're just sitting there like, what the fuck? So that was really... Um, I was just sitting to myself going like, I can't believe, 
I just can't believe that this is happening right now and this woman is being this nonchalant about this. Um, you know, so anyway, it turned out that my wife's thing was okay and everything like that. But after doing a bunch of digging and it was ridiculous. Um, so, you know, the substitute doctors just need to, and it's always like, why can't I see my guy? You know, I've all the good doctors are on vacation. All the good doctors are on vacation. I've really come to that conclusion. Because it's always like, oh, yeah, no, I think I talked about this when I got depressed in twenty in uh, in 2016. I wanted to see my doc. Oh, he's on, literally, he's on vacation for three weeks. And I made the joke that he was like jet skiing in Acapulco or whatever it was. But it's always the other doctor who's around to see you. And at first you're like, oh, that's great. I'll do that. That's a good alternative. And then it's not. So beware of the substitute doctor, everybody, is all I'm saying. Let's go to your guys um, on acceptables. And here we go. This one is from Robert. Robert says, Walmart unacceptable. Okay. And it says, let me see here. Okay, here we go. Walmart unacceptable. Hey, Paul, long time, no unacceptable. I saw this while standing in line at Walmart and instantly thought of you and was forced to film it. I love how when you guys see shit that's just horrible, it automatically goes to me, but I love that. I love that, and I appreciate that. That's what I said. We've got to cage one animal at a time from this show. Uh, in the attached short clip, you will see this animal of a mother flossing her son's tooth while standing in the checkout line at Walmart. This went on for the entire length uh, they were in line. I know I'm an animal for going to Walmart, but I needed groceries, windshield wipers, dog food, and ice scraper, and a gift card for a birthday. So, I mean, you go to Walmart. <laughs> I love that. Lock this animal in a cage with endless floss and throw away the key. Uh, much love, Bobby. Dude, I saw the video and he showed it to me. This video is so funny for multiple reasons. Um, first, I love that you have dog food and all the things you said in that fucking cart. It's literally like Clark Griswold in Christmas Vacation um, when uh, Cousin Eddie threw the fucking dog food on top of the light bulbs. I loved it. And I love how, like, you literally... And that's the beautiful thing about Walmart. You go to Walmart at 2 o'clock in the morning, you get a DVD, cat food, strawberries, and a fucking tire. It's like, it's hilarious. And then you look up, and this mother has the kid with her back up against whatever, like, you know, aisle. And she's just flossing his teeth, like, back and forth. And it's like, okay, so... You're going to have shit flying out of this kid's mouth. And like, it's like, it was disgusting and absolutely a perfect unacceptable. It's the epitome. It was perfect. So thank you so much for that. Um, and you know what? I want to do, a, you know, Patreon. Somebody tried to post something and it went to Patreon instead. So uh, I did a scary story. I know that it's not Halloween anymore. And I know that it's not... Um, I know it's not Halloween anymore. And I know that um, I said the story on Patreon, okay? However, however, um, somebody wrote in and I think it deserves everybody to be heard, so everybody to hear it. So this is from Danny. And uh, Danny says, 
Because I said, I told a really scary story on my Patreon about when I was sitting outside of my house and something kind of creeped up on me. And uh, a lot of people freaked out about it. And I said, if you have a scary story, please send. And uh, Danny did. So here we go. I tried putting this story in the comments section, but couldn't submit. Here's something that freaked me the hell out uh, one time. Enjoy. Okay, I got a scary story for that ass. I was about five years old, uh, and there were about eight of us living in a two-bedroom house. So I slept in the room with my five siblings. One night I got up, had to pee, so I uh, got out of my bed, and I was opening the door across uh, the huge hall, all, all dark, by the way. Didn't want to wake anybody. Went to pee, unzipped my yellow onesie, walked back across the hall into the bedroom. Then I see this silhouette sitting Indian style with evil red eyes. Jesus. Uh, And it's saying, hey, Danny, come here. I got something for you. I stopped still, looked and asked, dad, is that you? And it said, come here. I got something. uh, I got something for you. Come here. I got scared, turned around, flicked the light switch on, uh, and there was nothing there. It was gone. Uh, I'm 42 years old now and still will not walk into any room without turning the lights on first. I never experienced that shit again, and I hope no one else ever does. Fuck, I got the chills all over now. Wow. Anyways, that's my story. See here in San Antonio, brother. I haven't been... uh, Patreon support long enough to warrant two tickets, but appreciate the offer. Be easy. Dandy, that's crazy. Uh, Guys, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into it now. I told it on the Patreon. Uh, You can subscribe. You can subscribe. $3, but I had a sick story that happened to me when I was in 10th grade. And uh, it's true. My mother and I talk about it all the time. It's real. It definitely happened. It freaked our family out, and it's something that I still think about. This one is absolutely terrifying. I'm not going to lie to you, dude. This one is, I mean, seeing somebody sitting Indian style with red eyes glowing and then saying, come here, I got something for you. And then you turn a light on, it's not there. That's like, I mean, that's wild. And uh, thank you for scaring the shit out of me uh, today. And now I'm going to be, I think you just ruined Indian style for me anytime I ever see somebody. But uh, I asked if you guys had them and you delivered. So there you go, everybody. That's it for Halloween spooky stuff, all right? We're in the middle of November. We got it out of the way, though. Thank you so much, Danny. That was wild, and um, yeah, I'm terrified. And it makes you think, like, too, <clears throat> before I get off that topic, like, I had a neighbor <clears throat> who, uh, I mean, not not only did they say the house was haunted, like, people around just knew and talked about it to the point where one time we were mo- helping them move and the door just slammed, and they just, like, casually said, oh, is it that bitch again, like, joking about, you know, and I was just like, wait, what, just had, like, what, like, it was kind of crazy, so, um, and then my brother had saw something, and a lot of things have happened, but it really makes you wonder, like, Danny saw somebody sitting Indian style, he's a 42-year-old man right now, he remembers vividly being five years old, seeing somebody sit Indian style with, you know, with red eyes like that when he went to the bathroom. Uh, There's something to that because you can't remember a dream from when you're five years old. You can't. 
You just can't. If you think right now, you'll barely remember a dream from a year ago. But something like that, and it just makes you think, like, what was that? Do you know what I mean? Like, what? Like, imagination, maybe like in a movie or a cartoon, but like, I don't know. But then the light's going on, not seeing that. I don't know. Something is, uh, stuff like that freaks me out because when you have those moments and you have that thing, and there are people who have unbelievable stories that like, no, this happened and that happened, and they're not all crazy. And that's what's scary because, listen, if somebody crazy says something, you know, um, it's like when my dad saw a UFO, my father is not crazy. My father's a lot of funny things. My father's a character. My father's this, my father's that. My father's not insane. He's not crazy. And for my father to say in 1973, he saw a UFO over my grandmother's house in Yonkers. And then, uh, there's reports everywhere of people seeing it. And my mother, um, <clears throat> you know, who's definitely religious and, and, and things like that, it, you know, says like, I, we saw something and, and that's what happened. And it was a UFO and it turned into a dot in the sky in one second. Like that, there is, my father was going to go on a show and talk about it. But like, uh, yeah, so it's it just like people aren't crazy and, and there is something to that stuff. And that's what scares the shit out of me. Anyway, guys, um, but you know, real quick, you know, what's funny about it? Listening to people who don't typically talk about, like listening to an Italian, I was talking about my dad, uh. My dad talking about the UFO. He's just this 100% Sicilian. And just listening to it is hilarious. He's like, you know, next thing you know, he's a fucking flying saucer. Over the, you know, and it's just like, it's just so funny to hear. Like, uh, I imagine, I used to do this joke about how, like, the Mexicans talk. Like, the not Mexicans, like, um, like, you know, in the movies where they'll show, like, the gangbangers, uh, like, in the, um, not in the cartel. You know what I mean? Like the, the, I used to do a joke. I was in San Antonio and they, like they would, the way they would talk. And I just picture like one of those dudes doing the, um, <laughs> like, like for example, that story that Danny just gave us and just like, yo man, he fucking, you know, this guy was in Indian style. His eyes were glowing red, man. Fucking trip me out. Like I love hearing different, um, like cultures and, uh, you know, accents and all that shit, talk about funny stuff like that, I find it hilarious, UFOs, ghosts, you know, just like, <laughs> and then man, I swear to God, he pulled, <laughs> he pulled out a knife and shit, freaked me out, man, Dude, my dad was talking about the UFO, he's going, I never, I, I tell you what, one thing I do know, it's not from this fucking world. I could tell you that. It's just so hilarious. Um, all right, let's get into, let's get into um, this Netflix show that I saw. Uh, it's a show, it was a documentary, a five-part uh, mini-series or docu-series called The Devil Next Door, and it was about um, John... Uh, how do, you, how do you say his name? Demonyuk. And um, he was a Ukrainian man living in Cleveland for years and years. Family, church going, quiet, never even a, you know, never even a, got pulled over, nothing. And um, they found out that he was actually a, a Nazi guard. And in fact, they thought that he was um, 
the Nazi guard who was a gas chamber guard, um, and they named him Ivan the Terrible. And he's saying it's mistaken identity and all this stuff. And I don't want to give things away. There's a twist at the end, but you really see the trial. They they expedited him. They they took him from the United States to Israel to go a trial in Jerusalem. And he's on trial, and then this and that happens, and it's it's just really, really crazy. And then victims and survivors of the concentration camp are talking, and you know, you find out if they identify him, and it's it's just a really one of the most like I was like fascinated. I was just like, this is the craziest. This is like really insane, and I guess it was a huge trial from like the late '80s into like. You know, I mean, he was out there for years going through, uh, I guess, the trial. And then, you know, I don't want to give anything away. So, um, but it's called The Devil Next Door. And the crazy thing about it was all the time you're like, I don't know. Like when, because you you, you hear the defense, you hear, <clears throat> you hear his defense, and then you hear the prosecution and you're going back and forth. And at some point you're like, yeah, I don't know. That's not him. That's not the same guy. And other times you're like, oh my God, that might be him. And you're just back and forth and back and forth. And then the cool thing is, in episode five, there is some sort of twist where you're like, oh. And uh, it was really, really good. It was incredibly, incredibly disturbing, uh, obviously, to see any kind of footage or to see anything from the concentration camps and, and um, you know, seeing awful things like that. But uh, it it's, um, yeah, it's just a horror that, you know, um, you could never imagine. And, uh, and then the fact that this guy was just living this church going family life, like loving his grandkids and doing all this stuff. And they're saying like, and Ivan the terrible, if you guys know, like he was like, like literally like as he was putting people in the gas chamber out of nowhere, he would just cut their ear off or he would, you know, stab him or put him with the bayonet on his thing. Like he was just this ruthless, like took pleasure in marching babies and women and, and, and children and, and men alike, everybody, and just like took, like loved marching them to their deaths, like loved being a part of it. And then you see this guy and you're just like, you know, and you're just going back and forth if it's him. So um, one of the most fascinating doc, docs I've seen in a very, very long time. So I would um, definitely check that out. And then I saw this movie on Netflix last night called Fracture, which I thought was going to go one way. But now that I think about it, it just kind of stunk. The acting wasn't great. It was it was just the ending was like, really, that's what's happening here. Um, didn't love it. I would say definitely, I mean, if you're bored, you want something to do, watch it. But you don't have to rush to it. It was just kind of like, I mean, it'll keep you guessing a couple times. It is a psychological suspense thriller. So it does have aspects of that where I was like, oh, this is getting good. But the, I don't know if the payoff is worth it. I feel like it, it's like just, I don't know. So those are the two things that I saw. Those are the two things that I'll review. The Devil Next Door and Fracture. Didn't love it. Um, you know, if I have to be uh, completely honest. But uh, I have to get out of here and I have to go fly to Atlanta soon. So, uh, and I have some stuff to do. So... Let's do some plugs here, guys. This has been 424. Uh, like I said, new logo next week and uh, live podcast announcement next week. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Guys, this week I am excited. Uh, I know you guys are already telling me that you're coming out to Texas. You could check out the Ver uh, paulverzi.com for my tour dates because I do have, um, I have Addison, basically Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. Houston will be next after this week. But this week I am going to Atlanta, Georgia, 
One of my favorite rooms in the country, the Punchline in Atlanta, Georgia. They're at their second location, but they've been in business for about 39 years, 37 or 39 years. Um, I love this club. They actually took a, a, a piece of half of the a piece of stage from their original room from like 1982, which Richard Pryor stepped on, and they brought it to this place, and it's like in the middle, and it's just it's such a great such a great place. Uh, I always say dimensions matter. And uh, I always have a great time out there. I'm going to be out there with a very funny comic opening for me and somebody from the area, Mike Albanese. So check that out. It's going to be great shows. We got shows tomorrow night, Friday night, and Saturday. And I believe there's uh, one tomorrow, two Friday, and three Saturday. I think there's a six, a uh, six, an eight, and a ten or some, something like that. But anyway, I'm going to be out there all weekend. Punchline Atlanta. Get tickets at punchline.com. You can get tickets right there for any of the shows and for all other shows like Texas and all that stuff and, and shows have been added and stuff like that. You can uh, go to paulverzi.com and check that out. New Hour is coming along great. I'm excited. I even got new bits from this weekend that I'm excited to come out there too. So you're going to see a bunch of new stuff and uh, pretty much everything different than you saw uh, from my Comedy Central special. I'll say this, which is still streaming right now, by the way. Um, so yeah, so check me out. I'll be out there. More announcements next week, like I said. Thank you guys. You guys are the best. I will let you know what's going on with the hamster, but he is back. And now we got him a hamster ball. And he's just running around, and my daughter thinks, and my daughter and son think it's hilarious because he's running around in this purple hamster ball, and he's just running into walls and shit. And every time he runs into a wall, they start hysterical laughing. So I really don't know what to call this one, if I should call it substitute doctor or if I should call it hamster ball because there is something funny about the word hamster ball. But we go there yesterday. At first, they were going to give us this ball that was literally the size of a softball, and he's like half, like he's like big, he's big. So we would have literally just stuffed him in this thing and he wouldn't even have been able to run because it would have just been like a, you know, just like a fuzzball and he would have been all cramped up. But then they give us this big purple thing and he's like running around fast in it and then just crashing into it. And my son's laughing going, is he going to get a concussion? So that's what I'm dealing with now. My daughter said, when this podcast is over, I need you to put him in the hamster ball. So that's what I have to go run and do too. So, uh, all right, guys, there you have it. This has been episode, um, 424 and, um, yeah, check out the Patreon. I'm going to do one from, uh, Atlanta and, uh, there you go. So until next week, I am out of here. Be careful of the substitute doctor. If you can't get your doctor, find out when he or she is there instead of taking the alternative. But you know what? Yours will probably be a little less, uh, lackadaisical and I feel bad. I hope she doesn't listen to this because then she'll think I'm an asshole. All right, um, take care, I'm out of here.